Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, everyone, please welcome our next guest to the show. This defenseman was selected in the fourth round of the 2021 NHL entry draft by the San Jose Sharks. And this past season had a breakout year with the Victoria Royals. Please welcome to the show, Victoria Royals Captain Gannon LaRock. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Really excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, we just kind of want to start things off. Where are you joining us from? Where are you calling us from? Uh, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, just for the summer here. So uh, just training every day and, you know, just trying to use the odds effectively. So Nice. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that kind of leads me into my next question. Who was your favorite WHL team growing up? Was it the Edmonton Oil Kings? um yeah you know like I, I remember a few times I'd go with my dad to the Oil Kings and um like when I was younger they were like winning the Memorial Cup and stuff so obviously I was a big fan when I was younger and um yeah I just kind of got into the game watching them and the Oilers so yeah that's awesome yeah we just talked about the, those old Memorial Cup teams back with Griffin Reinhardt and those guys back then yeah cr- crazy times to see what they've been you know were able to do back then for sure, yeah, hundred percent. And so, uh, who was your biggest uh, influence uh, in hockey when you were growing up? That's a really good question. You know, I think like just having my family support, and you know, they've always been there for me, and they've always pushed me to be my best. And uh, just not as a hockey player, but I think uh, you know, especially to be as a person, you know, you want to be a quality person, you want to be known for that too. So, you know, uh, having a great work ethic on and off the ice I think uh you know it's been really huge for me for my parents to be there for, and I'm really thankful for that so nice and you, you know I've played with a young uh Dylan Genther uh, <laughs> uh what is your guy's relationship like and you know he's emerged as an elite player in the WHL is he is that what you thought he was going to turn into uh when you're playing you know playing with him as a kid 100% I was <laughs> I'm not even surprised one bit like I've I played with him growing up like majority of the years and like the guy was a scoring machine even then so um yeah obviously he's he's a first round or sorry first yeah first round pick and um like he's just a great player and uh yeah not surprised one bit uh we're pretty good friends still so it's good to see you know his success and um yeah if we're on the ice we're always pushing each other for sure so (laughs) nice 
That's awesome. Uh, so you had a little stint there with the uh, Fort McMurray Oil Barons up in the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League. And uh, I actually worked up in Fort Mac for a few years when I was out of high school. So we kind of share a little connection there. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that program and the team. You only spent a few games up there, but what was it like playing in the uh, Alberta Junior League there? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was good, uh, like a first taste of the Junior Leagues for me. Um, it was a really good opportunity for me there. You know, I, I don't even remember what the uh, what was going on, but I think they had like three D-men suspended and injured. And <laughs> that. So, like, I mean, I couldn't complain. It was the, it was a really good opportunity for me to play, you know, top four minutes. And uh, even I got put out on the power play one time and uh, being able to get that pace, uh, you know, get a taste of it. And then, you know, we move on to junior in the next couple of years. Uh, obviously really helped me. So, yeah, absolutely. Great developmental league for sure. 100%. Yeah. And then, and then you moved, uh, you know, played with Spruce Grove Saints the next year and uh, played with a, a bunch of Seattle Thunderbirds that, uh, you know, ended up, ended up playing there. Not very long, you know, guys like uh, Matthew Rempe, uh, Lucas Siona and guys like that. Um, you know, even though it was only a few games, how was it uh, like playing with them? And then, and now the Thunderbirds are, you know, they went, made it all the way to the WHL final. Um, were you expected that they were going to be able to do that or, um, you know, were you following the Seattle Thunderbirds at all? Yeah. Like it, it's kind of weird seeing all the guys. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was definitely a weird year before our, our WHL bubble, yeah. but, and, um, yeah, like I've, I've been working out with, uh, Siona like for multiple years now. So I've known him for a really long time and, you know, you obviously create friendships and stuff like that with all the guys that were there. So, yeah, it was a great opportunity for me and great experience for sure. And, um, yeah, there were some good battles when we were playing Seattle this year. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go, go, Colton. Oh, I was just going to say, you talked, you kind of talked a little bit about the bubble there. We were going to ask you about, you know, playing in the bubble. And uh, we've talked to a couple guys before here on the show about what it was like in their own version of it. But what was it like for you personally and maybe you guys as a team? Um, yeah, like I honestly, I know, I know there's mixed emotions about it for sure. And I don't even remember the exact day, but I think it was 68 straight days in the hotel. And obviously that's going to be hard on anybody. Right. Yeah. But if, if I had to do it again, I do it again. Like I, I think there's, I'll do anything for hockey sport. I love it's, mm. you know, it's the job that we, we do for it in the WHL or wherever we are right now. And, um, you know, daily life it was kind of you know you wake up go to breakfast um obviously it was very you know set up like six feet and like the covid yeah. rules insane. Yeah. Uh, and yeah like there it wasn't too much space other than uh just being in your rooms really like mm -hmm. you had to communicate over phone or there's there a little hangout spot like during during or before dinner so that was nice to kind of see the guys but being at the rink was like the best part of the day. Uh, <laughs> you're being with the guys, you were out of your hotel room. So um, yeah, it was definitely a crazy experience. Um, you know, everybody talked about, you know, you're not going to forget it at all. And I was like, hundred percent, I will not forget it. Um, but yeah, definitely a good experience. You know, it, it allowed me the opportunity to get drafted for sure. It mm -hmm. was a, a big thing for me too. So I can't complain one bit. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what did, what did you do to wind down? I mean, like you said, you spent 68 days and then you play like a bunch of Warzone video games, watch Netflix. <laughs> what did you, what did you do? 
I've been asked this question quite a few times. And <laughs> everybody is absolutely shocked at my answer. So my Xbox, I unpacked everything on the first day. And by the last day, I did not plug in my Xbox one time. Oh. I, I was just so dialed in on, you know, just, just focusing on hockey and, um, yeah, like really my, my downtime was just like, you know, grinding some Netflix, um, and lots of film. I was always, uh, there's, I think the NHL was on too. So I was able to watch the stuff and watch, and I have a couple of buddies in that Eastern bubble. So I was watching their games too. So I was just really watching the hockey. I wasn't too, too into the video games and still not. I don't even know where my Xbox is, to be honest. <laughs> hey, that's fair, though. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, watching game and watching all that is not bad. I mean, that's all I did. I watched tons of hockey documentaries and like that's all I was doing during the pandemic, like while we were in downtime and stuff. Just, yeah, tons of hockey. Um, let's talk a little bit about your WHL career, uh, a little more here. What was your welcome to the WHL moment? Oh. Welcome to my WHL moment. Um, it's a good question. You know, I got called up as a 16 year old. Um, and you know, like the first shift I think is just like really intensifying. Like, it's like, holy crap, like I'm actually doing this, but, uh, we had a three and three against Van, uh, Vancouver. Sorry, I'll yeah. pronounce it. Um, and it was one game on Friday night in Vancouver. So we traveled there. We came back, played Saturday, Sunday. And I was like three and three, like I'm kind of used to this, but like after the fact is anyways, but I think the most, like the, the biggest thing for me was like, I like made this big hit, uh, middle ice and, uh, we ended up scoring. So like, I mean, that was a pretty big moment for me to be able to do that. in like my first few games for sure. Um, I didn't get, I didn't get a point off of it, but you know, I made a pretty big impact on it and I was pretty proud yep. and the guys were pretty pumped for me and, um, yeah, the guys were very welcoming as well. So it was, a, it was a really good experience for me too. So nice. So, I mean, you're drafted by the San Jose Sharks in the fourth round. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to us a bit about the 2021 draft. Uh, was there any indication that San Jose was interested uh, in drafting you? And uh, what did you do on draft day? Um, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, the interviews were all uh, either zoom or phone call um i did have uh one zoom call with uh, san jose but uh like uh, in the mid to late rounds you don't, you never really know and play mm. for me i it was my first year and i didn't really know what to expect um so it was just kind of up in the air i was prepared both uh to get drafted or to not um i was with my family they're all over at uh at my house there and I woke up at 4.30 in the morning there. I just, I took melatonin too, and I just couldn't sleep. But um, yeah, I was just like, oh man, we got to get this done. I want to get drafted bad. And <laughs> so I couldn't complain at all. And um, yeah, just having my family there, obviously, was really cool for me to be able to experience that with them. And um, obviously my advisor slash agent was, uh, you know, very in contact with uh, with me too. So it was really good uh, to experience that, you know, it's definitely different than, you know, this upcoming year, like Montreal, people are going to be able to go stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was just watching on the TV, like everybody else kind of stuff. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, okay. So we, you, you've listened to a ton of hockey podcasts, I'm sure. And you know that some GMs have asked weird questions. Did any GMs or scouts or anybody ask you any weird question that you can talk about, of course? 
I actually did not have one weird question. Um, right. Okay, fair. <laughs> I've heard some weird ones. I've been told some pretty kind of funny stories. Um, I don't, I don't even remember who it was, but uh, yeah, they're talking about, you know, like just offering like, who would you rather be like a lion or like just <laughs> like kind of animal or something. And, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't off, offered those questions. So I just, uh, you know, stuck to my, my game plan with it. That's awesome. Uh, so this past season, you had, uh, a, I mean, a breakout year, obviously, and you took the WHL by storm and, you know, we're 52 points respectively. What changed in your game? Um, did the Sharks ask you to work on anything specifically going into this year? Uh, what did the coaches want you to do? And yeah, what did you personally want to do this year to improve? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we had the development camp right after that uh, draft there. And uh, the biggest thing was just like using feet um you know that's always going to be a, a uh i don't want to say disadvantage but something i'm always going to have to work on being a bigger guy um so always going to be able to work on that and you know coming obviously with uh, the right mindset to be a sponge um and you know i really took that personally to be able to do that and um you know seeing guys like brent burns and stuff they're always out early shooting pucks and stuff like that so i really took that to heart and took it back to victoria and you know, even after I, I think I had two or three weeks before uh, going back to Victoria and main camp and stuff like that. So um, I was like, well, like I got to really dial in on, uh, you know, my offensive game. And, and that's still continuing into this year in the summer is, you know, continue to work on my feet and uh, my offensive game. And um, yeah, just taking your goals and you just want to pursue them and just keep going. So that's what I'm doing right now. Hey, so I mean, following after the victoria royal season this year um you went down to the ahl and played a, a few games with the san jose barracuda uh, what was it like making your your pro debut um and you did record an assist as well so you got your first pro point um what was it like those first you know, those few games and weeks uh, down in san jose yeah it was crazy i uh so we had a pretty uh pretty you know, pretty sad ending in Victoria. We had we had to sweep those last two games against Spokane, and obviously we didn't. But uh, yeah, it was literally I was packing up a little bit and about to go see the guys, and I got a call and like, yeah, you are going down, and I'm like, <laughs> this is like emotions. I'm like, wow, this is like this is awesome. I can't complain a bit. So yeah, I went down and um, I knew a, a few of the guys. Uh, there's lots of WHL alums um, yep. mm -hmm. that I kind of have from camp and stuff too. So, you know, it wasn't too, too hard of a change um, from camp. I kind of knew them already and uh, they welcomed me in like really easily and stuff. And the coaching staff was really good too. Can't complain one bit there too. So yeah, it was much faster, bigger guys, much stronger. Everything was just uh, much faster, <laughs> stronger. So um, yeah, I was told, you know, you got to gain a few pounds of muscle too. And, uh, yeah, just continuing to work on every part of the game. So nice. Yeah, they, they don't call it the jungle for a reason down there. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> who do you, uh, who do you model your game after? I really like to watch, uh, you know, comparable to watch is Mackenzie Weger is a really mm. big one. Yeah. I, I feel like he's very underrated and not talked about a lot. Uh, Agreed. Um, Aaron Eckblad was out there for a little bit and, you know, I think he took, uh, you know, a significant role there. Uh, so I really like to watch him being able to play the two feet and his big first pass and, 
um, yeah, I just think that's a big one for me. And, you know, I, I really like to watch and, you know, hear the voice of Roman Yossi is a big one for me, mm-hmm. just because he be on his chest. Um, it's a really big opportunity for me and Victoria to be wearing the, the C on my chest as well. So being able to, you know, compare to those two and, you know, model my game after a little bit, uh, you know, is, is pretty big for me. Yeah, those are awesome guys to yeah. uh, definitely follow in the footsteps of for sure. Uh, you kind of just almost answered our next question here. Uh, being named captain uh, for 2022-2023, what was that moment like for you personally to get that type of phone call? How, how was it all kind of arranged? How did it all happen? Yeah, so my <laughs> pretty funny story, actually. So I got called uh, and they're like, yeah, can you can we set up this meeting? Um, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, yeah, what's it about? And then just arranging for you know summer camp and like just getting ready for training camp and stuff I'm like okay I can be good for this and you know I and my old captain Taryn Pfizer actually hopped on and he actually it's a legacy of the Victoria Royals to pass it on from the former player so he actually passed on the captaincy to me which was actually pretty cool but I don't even know if I remember the whole uh spiel that he sent on to me because I was kind of in shock uh it was pretty I can't uh can't even talk about it because I don't even remember all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, though. I mean, it's just it's something you'll never forget, obviously. And uh, that's really cool that they get the the previous captain to uh, honor the next captain Mm -hmm. and announce it. That's awesome. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, it was really cool. I I wasn't expecting it at all. So they they definitely got me on on us. Nice. (laughs) Um, Well, you mentioned earlier about uh, working on your offensive game. What's another component of your game that you want to work on going into next season, which uh, I mean, you're getting closer and closer to being going pro full time. So what, uh, what type, what component are you the most that you want to work on? I really stuck to uh, just playing simple uh, when I was down there with the Barracuda, Um, you know, the game is much faster. So just working on my first pass in the neutral zone as well, because, you know, everything's going to be chipped in or, getting chipped out into the neutral zone being able to find the first pass is going to be huge for the transition game so mm-hmm. uh, you know able to work on that and you know jumping into the play as the fourth man or you know whatever man it is i think is going to be huge for me too so nice yeah absolutely um so just some extra questions for you here uh, you've been awesome for us thank you so much for yeah. joining us today man uh do you have a memorial cup prediction have you been following it at all I've been following a little bit. I'm trying not to, uh, you know, get caught up too much in it, but I had a lot of guys on Edmonton, obviously want to cheer for your home team, uh, WHL team. Sorry, but um, I I actually don't really know what's going to happen in the finals here. So what's your favorite thing to do outside of hockey? I am huge into golf and uh, you know, um, I don't probably every hockey player says this, but I love being in the gym. I I could live there all day. I love being a gym rat. Uh, so, and those are my two main things. And, you know, another big thing that, you know, I feel like lots of people don't talk about is, you know, the injury prevention. I've started to take on a big role in that. So I actually have a movement coach that I go see and uh, just working on things like that as well. So that's really cool. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. It's not talked about, I feel, but yeah. um, it's there a lot. Uh, here in Edmonton as well so um there's lots of guys doing it you know you just want to take that there's always little things that people can separate themselves and you know you always want to find those little loopholes so yeah yeah absolutely if you could choose one defenseman to pair up with the NHL right now not named Kale McCarr who would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> um that's really 
question. Um, I'd say one of my two comparables, honestly, you know, I think, it, you know, I'd be learning from them. Um, and I think just being, uh, you know, obviously they'd be much older than me. To, they'd be able to take me under their wing a little bit. And, you know, I'd learn a lot from them. So I'd, I'd probably say one of my two comparables. Uh, and, you know, obviously everybody talks about Kale McCarr and <laughs> Dev yeah. Hayes, really good defenseman too. So, uh, yeah, just... There's a lot of demon. I, I, I don't even want to say exactly just those. <laughs> I, I'd take any defenseman in the NHL because they're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the more final questions that's, you know, you, you signed your pro contract. Uh, what was the first thing you bought? Um, you know, <laughs> that, that money with that money. <laughs> yeah, I've got that question a few times. Um, uh, I have not bought anything yet. Um, I'm very tight with my money, I guess you smart, could say. Smart. Uh, I'm more, more interested in investing it rather than spending it. Um, so I, I also have two bankers for parents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they'll, they're able to help me out on that side. But yeah, I'm really tight with my money. Um, so that, yeah, there's not much to say about that one. <laughs> hey, hey, that's fair though. I mean, yeah, yeah. in this day and age, you got to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, good luck next season and congratulations again on being named captain. Thank you very much. All the best to you guys. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. How's it going, everyone? That was Gannon LaRock of the Victoria Royals. We hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. I am your host, Colton Davies. And on the other side of the screen for me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Memorial Cup. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, it all being over, obviously, uh, the CHL awards, the import draft that is coming up. Uh, we'll chat a little bit about the Stanley cup being over, uh, the bus ride segment this week is Joe Sackick and then some other news around the league. Um, so it's kind of a busy show today, but, uh, we'll try and wrap things up in an hour and ish, I guess. Um, so to start things off, congratulations to, uh, Trevor Georgie, uh, Gardner McDougall, and the St. John Sea Dogs on capturing the 102nd Memorial Cup. Um, absolutely phenomenal performance throughout the entire tournament by them. And not, I mean, not a surprise. Uh, if you've listened to the show here, you know that we, I, I predicted St. John. Um, but I mean, let's start with a couple of players that just were dominating specifically for St. John and William Dufour. Um, what, what are your thoughts about William Dufour and where he can go uh, in the Islanders system, Matthew? Well, first of all, he had an amazing regular season. I mean, he was, he, I mean, over a hundred points and then he, you know, unfortunately gets eliminated in the first round um, in the playoffs, but then they go to the Memorial cup and he just comes alive again. Uh, seven goals. I believe he finished it with. Yep. And you know, he was dominant throughout and he was probably one of the re biggest reasons why they won the Memorial cup. I mean, this was a team that didn't have a lot of like, they were basically the, well, they were the underdogs. I mean, they didn't win the queue. Um, and they were coming in as the, just, they were there because they were the host. And uh, I don't think I predicted it on Western centric, but I did predict it in on prospect corner that they would win uh, the Memorial cup uh, going into the final. So I was wrong on one side and right on the other. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, 
yeah, I mean, what an amazing run for them. I mean, to win it on on home ice in front of uh, home crowd, it was amazing. And DeFore was a big part of that. I mean, in New York Islanders fifth round pick, I mean, it, you know, for a guy that's, you know, was a later round pick, I mean, you don't know how he's going to do in the NHL, but um, how he's done in, his, in this last season um, has been amazing. So, I mean, he has a he has a he has a future, I think, in the NHL. I mean, that one goal that he um oh no, he didn't score it, but it was a great, great pass, um, you know, to set it up. I believe it was Lawrence that scored it. Um yeah. so, I mean, he he's he's just he's gonna be exciting to watch uh, moving forward because he does have skill. Um, there's a reason he's drafted in the fifth round. So I mean, he's not gonna be an elite number one uh, first line guy. I mean, you wouldn't think, but We've been surprised in the past. Look at guys like Nikita Kucherov, uh, you know, Braden Point. They're lower round picks, but they've become uh, premier NHLers. So don't write him off as being becoming that, but I think he's an NHL player. But uh, we're excited yep. to see what he does. Well, I think, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And congratulations to William DeFore on winning the Stafford Smythe yes. uh, Memorial Trophy as well as the tournament's MVP. Um, as Matthew mentioned there, he had seven goals. Uh, and then he that only assist that he had in the entire tournament was on that Josh Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Too. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it's weird because like he he didn't even have bad numbers in his draft year. Um, he split the season with Shakutami and Drummondville. He played 59 games. He had 55 points, like if my math, my math might actually be wrong on that. Uh, I quickly glanced, but you know, he had like 50 points and 60 some odd games. It's not bad at all. No. So I don't really understand what the, maybe there was concern on, um, uh, you know, maybe defensively or consistency or his skating ability. Um, although his skating ability to me looked, looked hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, a fifth round pick and somebody that I think who, you know, like weirdly enough, he's that uh, he's that playoff performer, mm-hmm. uh, much like a guy we just saw in the Stanley Cup just blow people's minds. Uh, Valerie Nachushkin. Yes. Yeah. And not that Dufour is that, but they're both big, big boys who know how to, uh, you know, have a lot of offensive zone ability. Um, they're very hard to get off the puck and you know, they show up when it matters. And I think that that's something that would work out for DeFore. And then the other thing is, is I had read before that DeFore was compared to Cal Clutterbuck in the sense that the Islanders wanted to mold him into another Clutterbuck. Mm. So like a checking line penalty yeah. kill type of guy. So I could see that for him. I could really yeah. see that too, especially with Lou Lamorello and you know what Lou envisions for that team. Yeah. And- I mean, DeFore is such a Lou player. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, I know that I, that's definitely true. And the thing is, is about him is that, um, you know, that could have been in his draft year because, you know, obviously the Q is more of an offensive league. Um, so yeah. I mean, you know, when you see those numbers, it's like, okay, what do you do that in the WHL and more tighter checking? Um, right. So I don't know. Like, but I mean, Sidney Crosby dominated the Q as well and he became, McKinnon. McKinnon too so I mean you can't and they're not by any means soft players so and bad defensively I mean they both are pretty good defensively too I mean they developed that so I mean not saying and the thing is DeFore's not them I mean, he, he don't have those yeah, that's, expectations that's I the mean, biggest thing fell that way um but I think he does become a good like say clutterbuck type player third fourth liner that can put up you know 15 goals I mean that's not bad 
um, to be. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do at the next level because the AHL would be the next thing for him. Yep. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think he'll definitely find himself in the American Hockey League here next year. And, uh, hey, I mean, the Islanders kind of need all the help they can get. What he, there's yeah. the possibility he slots in there on that fourth line and gets some minutes, even even yeah. third line minutes, yeah. right? You never know. Um, Lou yeah, takes prospect, liking. Their prospect pool's not that strong. Um, no, so. <laughs> no, and and you know it's it's a history with Lou. He takes a liking to these big power forward essence type mm-hmm. guys, and that's what Dufour is. Um. Maybe he's not much of a power forward in the sense of that, but you know he's one, he's a player that you know is a at least in the queue he was an unstoppable force. So yeah. let's see how that translates. Um, moving forward, uh, as I said, congratulations to Trevor Georgie and Gardner McDougal. Um, Trevor Georgie has been a kind of a reoccurring topic on this podcast just because I'm a very big fan of his hockey mind and him in mm-hmm. general. Um, what he's been able to do with St. John and build the team there over the last, um, he's been there since 2015, 16, if I recall, um, he's had two Memorial cup appearances with the team. Uh, one win, obviously one QMJHL win came with that. Um, but for him to be able to pry out guys like Brady Burns, Yan Kuznetsov, uh, Peter Reynolds, um, just those guys, for example, uh, out of NCAA contracts to come and play in St. John and then go through the shit that everybody has gone through over the last couple of years with pandemics and all that it, mm-hmm. it's remarkable um and you know the memorial cup host obviously was a big thing um so again it's just yeah it's a really great thing to see what he did and i was not surprised at all to see the see the st john sea dogs you know win the major junior championship here um you know he's a guy i, I tweeted it out last night um He's a guy that I think is going to, and, you know, Jeff Merrick and Scott Wheeler have said this before, but he's going to be in the NHL in the next five years, if not sooner as a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, just He's so smart and somebody that is, you know, kind of brings that Kyle Dubas-like um, mind, um, even like an Eric Tulski, a John Chaika. He's just a young, smart hockey mind. And it's really nice to see. It's refreshing. And I think that's why he's somebody that has become attractive in the hockey world is because it's not that recycled general manager. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of new, and that's the thing, a lot of new thinking um, in the NHL front office. Now Um, there's just so much, um, you know, on the analytics side, you've got, uh, yeah, like I said, it's not that old school um, anymore. I mean, it's not the old boys club, like they say. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there too, because there are a lot of younger ex- executives now and um, that are getting hired. So um, it's going to be interesting to see um, what, if, where he would go. Um, I don't know, but uh, I do see him in the NHL uh, front office in the future for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple teams that need managers right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And and then on top of that, Gardner McDougal. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, so it, this is all, it all was part of like St. John's plan. It's like, you know, they, unfortunately they were eliminated in the first round. And then when they got eliminated, they made a coaching change and they fired their coach and excuse me, I don't know his name, um, but they fired their former coach and they hired Gardner McDougal. And he is a very, very well-respected uh, coach at the Canadian university level. Um, and he became the first coach ever to win at the youth sports level and win a win a memorial cup 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and he's in, he's technically interim head coach. Interim too. Yes, like that insane. is true. And you think, I would think he should be hired full time now. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I thought was what I thought was really cool was he was the head coach for the University of New Brunswick team, right? So he's pl- yeah. he's coaching like right in St. John, New Brunswick. There, like I mean, just the connection there, right to his hometown, and to uh, you know win that Memorial Cup right there at home. I mean, that must be remarkable uh, for him. But uh, I mean, and what a rocking mustache that guy's got! Yeah, <laughs> so I was thinking the same thing yesterday too. <laughs> Holy crap! That's a, that thing is remarkable. I love it. Remarkable is the word of the day. Apparently, I've said it a few times already. <laughs> um, you want to maybe, yeah, you want to touch up on Mason McTavish's like you know raw competitiveness and just you know he laid it all out there. He was the last Hamilton Bulldog yeah. off the. Uh, this guy's in the NHL next year. That, that oh. that's. He's oh, he's gonna dominate the Ducks. Well, I wouldn't say dominate, but he is definitely gonna be somebody who's gonna be a pest and oh, yeah. uh, a Calder candidate. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. I've said this many times on Prospect Corner with him, and he's an NHL player. I mean, oh yeah, he definitely is. And you look at him like how he laid it all out, and he's gonna be a playoff performer too, like in the NHL. Oh yeah, I mean, he's shown it in the you know in the OHL too. And he looked devastated after that. Like he yep. looked absolutely devastated after they, they lost. And I'm sure he wanted to do more. Um, he did score in the game, but uh, you know, it, you feel bad for him because, you know, it's such a big long, and it's been a long journey. I mean, so much hockey's played this season. I mean, insane amount. Like I've said many times, how many, how many leagues did he play in this, in this season? I mean, alone, <laughs> like <laughs> he played in the uh... NHL, the NHL. Three, he played three. Like, well, yeah, he played international. Like nine games in the NHL, three at the AHL level, five with Peterborough. Then he came to Hamilton, and then five at the Olympic level. Yeah, not to mention he would have played World Juniors. Yeah, so it's like insane. Like I don't like how much he played, and and yeah, he should definitely be a full time NHLer next year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he actually uh competed for the Calder really i don't yeah. like i i because he's going to get that second line center position um with the out gets left there he's going to get power play time he's going to get that good ice time that he sh- you know why he didn't he didn't return to the ducks is because they probably felt well he's better off playing a junior than getting little ice time here so you know he's going to get prime minutes i really do think he's going to be a calder a trophy contender next season too yeah, absolutely. Um, the like, you know, he he's such a like an un, like a force to be wrecked. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like he's <laughs> so powerful out there that like you know he's he's six one, like two ten. I mean, he just trucks through guys. He just you know big rigs it right to the net. There crashes the net. He does everything right. I mean that that's about it. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see him. I was really really high on him last year. Uh, when he went third, I had a buddy of mine text me all kind of upset. He listens to the podcast. So he'll probably say I wasn't upset, but, <laughs> but, but he, but he, he, he doubted it. And I, and then, and, and he's, he's changed his mind now. So <laughs> I yeah, thought McTavish got a little, went a little high. I, I wasn't actually expecting him to go third overall. I thought he was going to be in the round. Well, I don't think a lot of people were did. picking. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I don't think a lot of people thought he was going to go there either. Um, 
but yeah, and then like on that Hamilton team too, that Yan Misak, uh, and I finally figured out how to pronounce his name, Arbor Jackai. Arbor Jackai, yeah. <laughs> like, like I was trying to pronounce it last week, made myself look like a fool. I didn't even <laughs> pronounce it. I don't think. I think I gave up. But like, wow, what a last name, Jackai. Um, anyways, that guy. Oh, uh, I we talked to him about him last week, but oh my god, he's a mean, mean, yeah. nasty. Montreal Canadiens um, have, you know, yeah. You know, I, 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 Montreal fans, don't get me wrong. I, I think he's good. But a lot of Montreal fans seem to peg him at this top four potential. And I really don't see that. I don't know I, top four. I think he's I a think, guy, but I don't think he's a top four defenseman. I think he's third pairing, seventh D-man, penalty kill. Uh, he's the type of defenseman like a Nikita Zadorov. Like you just mm-hmm. don't yeah. want to play against them. Yeah. Because they're terrible out there. Um, Yeah, so anyways, shout out to him. Great hockey. I mean, he's going to be great. He was just a ruthless player out there that entire playoff series, obviously. And then Yan Misak. I mean, whoa. There's another Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's going to be a problem with Montreal. I mean, he's filthy out there. Yeah, he's really good. And that's that's the thing. Hamilton... Really, I mean, it was surprising that they lost, but it wasn't surprising they got there. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's you know, th- the team was just really good. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, there's they had so many good, so many uh, big guys, big stars on that team. And, um, you know, they, they hung in there right to the end. I mean, well, the final score was 5-3, right? Um, I yep. believe, yeah. 6-3, so, 6-3. 6-3, right, 6-3. And it, you know, I mean, they were down quite a bit uh, right at the beginning there, but, you know, tried to fight their way back and a bit of a discipline, bit of discipline problems in the third period there, but, you know, it's, they were really good. I mean, I, full, full marks for them to get to the Memorial cup and be that close to getting it. Well, uh, they, they were, of course, won the OHL. So. Yeah. And you know, who's not getting love and we're going to give them some love right now. Marco Costantini, the goaltender. Yes, yeah, yeah. He had a 31 and nine record and a 16 and two playoff record. That guy kept it together. Yeah. He held everything down for that team. Uh, played all five games throughout the Memorial Cup. I mean, I mean, yeah, shout out to him. Um, you know, he's, he's actually a prospect eligible for this year's draft. So hopefully he gets right. Yeah. And after that performance, don't see why not. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some of the players NHL prospects from both teams and kind of just where they're going to go. We'll touch up a little bit about the Edmonton oil Kings, and then we will take a little break and move forward with the CHL awards. Um, So Mason McTavish, obviously Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Winterton with Seattle Kraken, uh, Arbor Jackeye with Montreal Canadiens, Yan Misak, Montreal, and Artem Grushnikov with Dallas. So with those five guys, um, we've already said, you know, McTavish is, uh, you know, NHL bound next year. Uh, what, what do you feel is the uh, the future for the rest of those? Well, Jack, I, I think, of course, he's probably going to still require a bit um, before he's NHL, before he's an NHL guy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, guys like Grushnikov, I mean, man, the Dallas Stars, I mean, geez, like you're, <laughs> there's just so many, they have a lot of good prospects coming. I mean, you know, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, you're really, you should be really excited with the guys that are coming up here because, well, you know, Grushnikov is just one of them. And uh, like we just, 
you know, we just talked to Logan Stankov and, and here's, yep. there's another guy. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's just insane what they're building and Grushnikov is just another part of it. Um, again, I don't think he's NHL ready yet. Um, same thing. I think the only guy out of this group is Mason McTavish. That's NHL bound and NHL ready right now. Mm-hmm. No, oh, no, for sure. For so sure. Misak though, I mean, he's close. I think he's really close. Um, yeah. soon. I think you're going to see him in the next few couple of years, but, uh, yeah, but all these guys are going to be probably NHL players, um, because they're all, they're all high end, um, prospects. Yep. Yeah. And I think like, um, you know, yeah, Grushnikov is like, uh, he's an, he's a really nice defenseman, like he, he, very mm. good mobility. Uh, he's, he, he, you know, he knows how to play the boards, uh, well, he hits well. Um, yeah, he's, he's a fun defenseman. And like he said, uh, Dallas stars prospect there. Um, obviously William Dufour, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there, uh, whether he'll get AHL time, um, which is probably, I mean, oh, guaranteed he'll get AHL time. Excuse yeah. me. Um, so he'll get AHL time, but maybe he slots in there on that uh, bottom six somehow up in the Islanders. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but a pair of Calgary Flames prospects with Yan Kuznetsov and Jeremy Poirier. Uh, Ryan Francis is also a Flames prospect, but I guess he's not anymore, technically. I don't know. I I, I don't know, because I, <laughs> I wrote about it for Daily Faceoff and about the Memorial Cup championship win. And, you know, Francis is a 2020 fifth round pick by the Flames, but according to elite prospects, he's not a flames prospect. I don't know. Makes no sense to me. So, um, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman, William Villanueva is, uh, he had an, he had an incredible Memorial cup run and, and a really good season. And he's somebody, you know, he's a 20 year old. Um, you'll see him in the Marley system next year for sure. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to maybe Peter or anybody in the, within the Leafs at the hockey writers about Villanueva? Um, not recently. We talked about him in the the Toronto Maple Leafs prospect uh, pool uh, deep dive at the beginning of the season, okay. um, but we haven't talked. And we're probably going to be talking about him this this Saturday because uh, we've got prospect corner here. But um, after the Memorial Cup and our, our thoughts after that. But Villanova is a really good defenseman. I I really liked him in the draft year, and uh, I was high on him in my rankings. I think I'm pretty. I, I can't remember where he was ranked on my in my um list there but i know i was really high on him and he's going to be a good defenseman in the nhl it's gonna be interesting to see how he adjusts and goes to the ahl but he had he had a really good memorial cup um quite a few points and looked really good so i'm really excited to see what he can do because uh like i said i was really high on him uh, when he was drafted and 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 you know the weirdest thing about his draft because he wasn't like he wasn't really ranked on a lot of on some boards. It, it no. was just really weird. But he was the number one top scoring defenseman in the QMJHL that year, and he went in what the fourth round? Yeah, fourth round. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like sometimes I really wonder where scouts are at and who they're watching. Like I, I just don't get it. Um, so yeah, he's somebody that's going to be exciting to watch. Obviously, he already had a couple games in um, in the with the Marlies. Yeah. I was just well. Here, here's the thing. I just I had him. Why I was high on him because I had him in a in a in an article about having wanting the Canucks to pick him. Oh yeah, okay. In the third round in um in that draft. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, and Yan Kuznetsov and Jeremy Poirier of the Flames, uh, both guys who they're good. Poirier is, you know, Poirier from so I, I write for Flames Nation now with within the Nation Network. It's a whole thing. Um, so from what I've understood through uh, talking with some contacts, talking with some people, Poirier did exactly what he was supposed to do all season long, and that was play uh, the, the safe keep for uh, Kuznetsov and. Kuznetsov did not have the season that he was expected to have. And so I think there was a bit, there's a bit of concern there uh, from a flame standpoint about his, about him. So, you know, Poirier played great though. Um, he's definitely somebody that the flames have a lot of interest in. They, they think highly of him in their defensive crop there. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential too. I really like Kuznetsov, but I, I think I just like Kuznetsov because he's big. He's 6'4", 210, just a big mobility defenseman. But, yeah, it was concerning. The The Memorial Cup was even concerning to watch him. Um, but, hey, it, it it happens, and people players go through ruts, right? We've talked about it before. So Yeah, yeah. And um, Kuznetsov, he was on that my that list, too. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, Ravis Ansons. So, Ravis Ansons is a Latvian forward, and somebody, we're going to talk about the import draft here shortly. So, you know, and Kuznetsov is also an import player. Um, but Ansons, um, I'll use Scott Wheeler's quote to describe him. Uh, gritty. Mm. That's what he is. He's 6'1", 190 pounds, and he will get in the face of you could be five foot seven or six foot nine. He doesn't care who you are. He's going to run you and he's going to get in your face after the whistle. He plays a very gritty style of hockey, but it works. Yeah. Um, for, for whatever reason it works for him. And he was able to have 36 points, 37 games as long along with uh, five points and four with uh, in the Memorial cup here with St. John. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh Penguins draft pick be very interesting to see how he plays out because you know who in the Pittsburgh Penguins really likes those types of players Brian Burke yeah 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 (laughs) so it'll be interesting sounds like a Brian Burke type player (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how he uh, how he plays out um Philippe Daoust of the uh, Ottawa Senators uh uh from what I read uh he had a disappointing Memorial Cup so we won't really talk about that and Cameron McDonald he kind of same issue was had a little disappointing, but he battled with injuries. So can't knock him there. Um, I do want to just shine light on one person before we, we move forward here, Peter Reynolds. And I want to shine some light on Peter Reynolds because he's a former BCHL guy. And for those of you that listen to Western centric, you probably know what the BCHL is, but if you don't, it's the British Columbia hockey league. It's junior a it's where a lot of these players go that are going to go play college. Peter Reynolds was originally supposed to go play college. And I can't remember where, I think it might've been Boston university, um, I could just be blowing smoke out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure it was that. But like I had said, Trevor Georgie somehow, some way managed to get him to come to St. John. And despite through a bunch of COVID bullshit, he stayed there and played. And he had 39 points, 58 games. And the reason I'm talking about him is because he's undrafted. <laughs> like he was somebody I'm pretty sure we like the hockey writers wrote about and people wrote about last year too. So he sounds familiar. <laughs> mm. he, he's a great great hockey player uh really good for uh inside passing uh, he plays a really good defensive game as well uh he's fast that's another good thing but i mean yeah he he had 47 points in 53 games with the chilliwack chiefs in the bc league a couple of seasons ago um and then yeah uh three points four games with the sea dogs memorial cup yeah so i just I, wanted to shine a little light yeah yeah 
Um, so the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, we'll finally get to some WHL talk um, as we have exhausted the OHL and QMJHL there, but that was fun. Um, the Oil Kings obviously were eliminated from Oil Cup contention there following their 42 loss to the Bulldogs. Uh, very emotional loss for them, obviously, um, because a lot of people had them going to the final. And uh, when you're a team that has quite literally dominated the league and made the league look like a peewee league yeah you're supposed to do that and with the five or six nhl draft picks that are on the squad you're supposed to to be that good hey yeah things happen and i think that some people need to not knock the oil kings about about it 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 was a tournament setback um you know they faced some adversity obviously during some games there and thing it you know it just didn't go their way and that's what happens yeah, they're missing yeah. their best player too. There like, you go. Dylan Genther was <laughs> like, not playing. This guy was the best yeah. player on their team all season long, all yeah. playoffs long until he got hurt. Yep. Like, like I was saying on Prospect Corner, I believe was I said that take take Connor McDavid off the Edmonton Oilers. There yeah. you go. <laughs> okay, so take William DeFore away from St. John Sea Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. What there happens? You go. There's a there's take a, Maverick Bork away from Schwinnigan. What, what happens? Take, yeah. take McCavish from, from Hamilton. That's the point. So for all the people, and it's not, it's, it's some WHL people that are, it's people that are anti Edmonton, um, Calgary Hitman fans. I'm looking at you. Um, yeah. Don't knock them for this. Like it, it's just pathetic to see the, the, just the yapping at the oil Kings for, for what they, for not, um, you know, for, for essentially I'll use what they're saying, failing. That, that if they didn't fail <laughs> they've won the league championship for the whl right that that there you go yeah so i don't um, know missing genther is just a huge difference like it's just yeah. so big it, it um, hurt them yeah it it hurt them so much and he is a player that is going to be i mean the star of the arizona coyotes holy cow like he yeah. is going to be so good and I'm excited to see what he can do. I feel really bad for him, obviously. Uh, I wonder if he shots into like the NHL next year. What do you think? Well, and this is all depends on what the Coyotes want to do. I mean, do they want to, do they feel like he, if he's ready, then hundred percent, he should be playing, but if he's not, I, I wouldn't really rush him in. He could play another year in junior. I would like him in Camelops. I, I think he should play one another year. I think he should play here. There you go. no like um no you're talking about a guy who quite literally is the line driver and is the offensive um is the offensive zone of that team like he he is mr o-man and for him to not be in the lineup was you know for him to be injured was devastating for the team and took morale away obviously and then for you know for him just to not be there it just it shakes things up um yeah, other guys have to uh, are focused on more. You got like everyone's on Jake Neighbors for not for not stepping up. Well, you know you're missing a big player that's usually focused on, and now you're the one that's focused on. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You you look at even look at Tampa with losing out, not having Braden Point. Would having Braden Point, but okay, but would having Braden Point in the lineup really made a difference against Colorado? I don't think so because Colorado was just holy frick. Colorado was just another team. Uh, we'll talk about that 
Um, but yeah, no, I think just, you know, uh, all the negative crap about Edmonton, I think is a bunch of crap. And uh, all I have to say is congratulations to them on their run. That's, that's what I have to say. You know, you guys won the WHL championship and that's what matters. Take that hardware and move on to next season. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So the CHL awards just wrapped up. Um, we just talked to the CHL player of the year, Logan Stenko, in which that episode will drop in a couple of days from now. Um, so if when you're listening to this, it might already be up, might not, I don't know. Anyways, Dylan Grand wins goalie of the year and uh, Brayden Yeager, he won rookie of the year and Luke Prokop won humanitarian of the year award. Uh, so no surprise on uh, actually, okay. There's no surprise on three of them. And you'll be shocked to think, you'll be shocked to hear why, which one is the surprise for me. It's actually Stan Coven being player of the year. Huh? I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm only shocked because I actually thought it was going to go to Wyatt Johnson. I really thought that too. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to go to Wyatt Johnson and I didn't ultimately. And congratulations again to Logan for like the third time, but like, remarkable i mean i don't want to say that word wow but it, it's just it's tremendous to see you know him do that and beat the odds of you know the favorite yeah because johnston had 100 and what 20 130 points yeah it was like 100. 120 yeah and bedard was another player who was eligible right and what did Connor bedard do this year i mean he became one of the first rookies to to put up the 100 points and how long and he etched his name into chl history um yeah. It, yeah, like those guys both just speak for themselves. But I mean, I think with the standpoint there with, and I don't actually know if they gave a reasoning behind Stankoven being it. So if they did, somebody uh, can tweet us and let us know. Um, but I think like the reasoning from my perspective is he played on a, on a pretty well-established team, but he was the driver of that team, right? He mm-hmm. was also a captain. Um, he led the team in playoff points as well right led the entire league in playoff points um so i think they took a lot of that into account just just the like the, 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 the individual player you know what i mean whereas you know they take if you take St. coven away from camelops that team disintegrates i'm sorry to say it but it it, it collapses yeah i i agree and but again, we're talking about Dallas Stars prospects here, and we're talking about two guys that could have won under <laughs> both hey, Dallas Stars. <laughs> three of the top game. What's what's crazy to me? I almost I almost made, I almost said something really stupid there. But we're talking about Logan Stankoven, and then obviously, you know, we just talked about you know Wyatt Johnston uh, and his run through the playoffs. But then Maverick Borg. I mean, he was just with Schwinnigan. He was just lit it up with the Memorial Cup. Um, I mean, what a what a competitor he is uh, to see him emotional that night uh pretty hard um but you know he's a he's a he's a freaking competitor that guy is gonna be crazy um but yeah dallas stars guys wow uh i think i think matthew i think it's time we get a dallas stars uh beat writer somebody we need somebody one, that writes the stars yeah. on <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta have a full hour-long conversation about these guys yes i i definitely am on board with that one <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll look out we'll see who's uh he was available um and then yeah so Braden Yeager wins rookie of the year uh, I've already made my beef with this made it last week make it again not sure how Bedard is not eligible I don't understand I, it I I have no idea I why. think it's I think I don't I know I okay I understand it but I think it's stupid I, I, I don't understand why that is in place the rule yeah I so don't Bedard misses out on all the awards <laughs> 
So that's unfortunate. Um, and then Luke Prokop, Humanitarian of the Year Award. No surprise. Um, one of the greatest guys out there uh, from what I've seen. Um, we're still trying to get Luke on the podcast. Luke, we would love to talk to you. Um, yeah, congratulations to all four of those guys. Um, and Dylan Grand obviously takes home goalie of the year because Dylan Grand is the uh, uh, Andre Vasilevsky of junior hockey. I've said it. I said it. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. That, that's definitely true. Uh, the CHL import draft is tomorrow. Uh, so we will have like a full rundown of that on next week's episode. Um, we didn't want to take too long waiting on, on episodes, obviously, uh, I would like to keep things consistent for you guys. And obviously as we continue to gain more subscribers and viewers, it, it's better to stay consistent. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't actually know who's available at this year's draft, which is really weird because in like in recent years, I guess players have been, it's been more known who's going to be available, but with the, you know, with the whole Russian Belarusian players not allowed to come play and a lot of Swedish players not wanting to come over because they would rather just play in the SHL or play in the national league over there. Um, there's a lot of Slovak players. That's about all I got. Yeah. I, I, that's see too. <laughs> like it, there's just a ton of Slovak and Czechia players um a handful of germans uh the word of the word through twitter through some people who i guess you could say are credible is that medicine hats apparently taking a slovakian number one tomorrow but it's not going to be dalibor Dvorsky, which a lot of people think uh, and, and and the only reason i think it's not going to be Dvorsky if they get if they do take them that'd be interesting because because Dvorsky's contract runs through till 2023 2024 so or 2024, 2025, one of the two years, um, you're not going to get him. You're not, he's not going to, it's not going to be a Martin Chromiak type situation where he voids his contract and comes over to play in junior hockey. Um, I think out of the players available, I think like Adam Sakura is a good bet. Yeah. Um, maybe Andre Molnar, but Molnar also has a contract. So it's kind of hard, but Sakura seems like it's like kind of like the guy. Um, out of like the, it's gonna be it. I'm I'm just I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see how tomorrow is gonna play out, just because of the lack of players available. Really. Yeah, no, it's true, and uh, like there, yeah, like you say, there's usually a lot more like with the with Swedes and Finns and Russians. It's also just it's all different this year for some reason. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it is. Um, we'll just quickly run through where WHL teams select. So obviously, uh, we'll just run through. Yeah, we'll just run through quickly through round one. I won't talk about round two. Round two, pretty much, it just it repeats itself essentially. Um, you just take those numbers, but switch them to round two. Uh, so round one, Men's Nat Tigers pick one. Uh, fourth overall is Tri City Americans. Seventh is Victoria. Tenth is the Giants. Thirteenth is the Chiefs. Sixteenth is the Cougars. Nineteenth is the Hitmen. Twenty second is the Broncos. Twenty fifth is the Pats. Twenty eighth is the Raiders. 31st is the Hurricanes, 34th is the Wheat Kings, 37th is the Blades, 40th is the Warriors, uh, 43rd is the Rockets, 46th is the Thunderbirds, uh, 49th is the Rebels, the 52nd is the Winterhawks, uh, 55th is the Blazers, 57th is the Silver Tips, 59th is the Oil Kings, and the 60th pick is the Winnipeg Ice. Um, so um, I don't know if the Blazers are getting anybody good uh, at the 55 pick, but I can hope. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can definitely hope. I think like the thing about the import draft too is like a lot of people don't know this. Um, so this might be a shock to some people, but a lot of a lot of European players are they already know where they're going uh, prior to it because it's pre-arranged. Um, yeah. So some players you'll see, for example, uh, if you look back at last year's draft, even like Pavel Minchikov, um, um, Joachim Kemmel, few guys were passed until their respective teams took them. And that was because of those reasons. Regina had claimed rights prior to the draft and so had uh, Owen Sound uh, for Minchikov. Is that where he played? Yeah, Owen Sound. Okay, so you think about how those guys then, you know, players are, you know, pre-selected. Um, you got to wonder, you know, if the 55th is a late kind of pick even, but mm. I guess when you look at it, it's not actually terrible. Uh, it's still in the first round. Anyways, point is, um, you even look at Jakob Demick, right? So Jakob Demick goes 47th overall, though Oil Kings managed to swing that one. Um, who do the Blazers, like, you got to wonder who the Blazers are going to select because the, the Memorial Cup has to be a big draw, right? So f- even though they select 55th, they could target a top five guy and go, do you want to come play here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think tomorrow will be uh, very, very neat. Yeah, really interesting. Like, I remember when Fabian Lysel was uh, drafted by the Giants. Yeah. And there wasn't 100% sh- certainty that he was going to come over, too. So, exactly. Right. And so that's the only other problem is you have to, you know, there has to be that certainty that they, that they're going to come over and you have to, you know, I don't know. I guess you know, the last time the Blazers selected at 55 was, or they selected 56, I guess, but they selected Victor Persson. So yeah, there we go. There you go. Yeah, Mitchikov was a 52nd pick. And oh, I guess he wasn't Owen Sound. He was Saginaw, but he played Saginaw. Saginaw. Sound, so yeah, whatever. I thought it was Owen Sound. Yeah, but... whatever. It all makes sense. But but yeah, but no, but you look at Lizelle and he falls to 30th, right? Like there, there yeah. was a reason he fell and it's because of that. It, it all plays into it um so yeah anyway chl import draft is tomorrow we will have a full breakdown of that next week um up next the stanley cup so the stanley cup has concluded thank god finally the season's <laughs> <Yes>. over um <laughs> three former whl players were on the ice for colorado and it's stanley cup clinching victory sunday goaltender darcy kemper of the red deer rebels defenseman bowen byram of the vancouver giants and forward darren helm of the medicine and tigers helm also won a whl championship tigers 2007 and collects his second stanley cup uh it was uh it was cool to listen to helm talk about uh winning his second cup i can't remember who he did the interview with um but he talked about winning the second cup and how it means a lot more to him now than it did when he was a young gun young kid 22 23 when he won it with Detroit because he understood the grind for it now and he understood really and truthfully how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup yeah well especially how how many years it went between uh exactly and all this stuff that's happened and the same with like just by extension with Corey Perry um, everyone's like, oh, he won a cup. Uh, and you know, when he was really 2006, don't feel bad for him. He won a cup. You know how much how different it is for him now? Like, uh, yeah, no, sorry. He won, he, Corey Perry won his cup in 2007 with Anaheim. Yeah. But still, you know how like long, that long it was? Like, yeah. So, I mean, same year that, that Darren Hell, I mean, it's different. It is different. Yeah. No, you, you, it, it, yeah. And you think about the team that Darren Helm played on. Holy cow. Like Pavel Datsu, Kendrick Zetterberg, yeah. um, uh, Nicholas Cronwall, 
uh, there, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> Those are just a few of the names I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, so yeah, yeah, obviously it's, you know, it's different. Now Helm is at a different point in his career where he's, uh, you know, a veteran leader and he's a locker room guy and plays that, plays that role for the team. And uh, obviously him having that Stanley cup experience kind of played a role, but but maybe not though, because he was so young, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, defenseman Ryan Murray of the Everett Silver Tips, goaltender Trent Minor of the Vancouver Giants, uh, were also on the 36 man active roster of the Avalanche. Uh, somebody might want to fact check the Trent Minor thing though, because I've, I keep seeing people say that, but on Elite Prospects and Daily Faceoff, he's not listed at all anywhere. So I don't know. Anyways. Uh, General Manager Joe Sackick, uh, Swift Current Broncos, headlines the hockey operations staff that features uh, actually several WHL alumni, which included head coach Jared Bednar, who played for the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, Nolan Pratt, who played for the Portland Winterhawks, and Curtis Leshishin, who played for the Saskatoon Blades. Um, wow. That's, that's all I have to say. I mean, like, uh, what what Joe, what Sackick, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him Mr. Sackick. What, what Mr. Sackick has been able to do and create with Colorado has just been so cool to watch. Um, I read a, ooh, was it Peter Baugh? Yeah, it was Peter Baugh. So Peter Baugh wrote an article for The Athletic um, talking about Joe Sackick and how Sackick watched what Tampa created and took that mold and created a better team. And he did. I mean, he, Sackick, built this team to dethrone the Stanley Cup championships using their mold. It's just, it's, it's awesome. I, I love that type of, that type of stuff. And I think, you know, Sackick, obviously we're going to get a little bit into him here in literally just a couple moments, but um, what a hockey mind that that's all I have to say from a, from a general manager's point of view, he's definitely, um, or not from a general manager's point of view, but for him being a general manager, he's one of the smartest GMs out there. And um, another guy that doesn't get enough credit is his former teammate who he won a Stanley cup with as a player, Rob Blake in LA. Um, Rob Rob Blake is creating in LA is awesome. Um, Such a smart, smart guy as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, you, you look at, you know, Jared Bednar and his, his remark. Oh my God. I'm going to use that word again. I'm not going to use it. His, <laughs> his incredible, uh, you know, just story of, you know, 14 seasons in the ECHL combined as a player and a coach and to grind, to win at the ECHL, the AHL and now the NHL level. Um, it's, uh, I mean, there, the words can't even describe it. Um, it's got to feel amazing, really. Like, I couldn't imagine that to, to win at every level is uh, a feat that I think a lot of uh, coaches and managers definitely uh, strive for. Yeah. And and the thing is, you look at Joe Sackett, Rob Blake, uh, Steve Eiserman. Uh, yeah. Detroit, oh yeah. And after build helping to build that lightning team that they went up against too. I mean, all these former NHLers in, in front office jobs and they're like the smartest guys in, in hockey. Yeah. Um, you know, thriving. Well, it's amazing. Uh-huh. It is. And Iserman's another guy like, oh my God. Like if I could, if I could sit down with, with Mr. Iserman and just talk to him for 20 minutes and pick his brain, that uh, would be a highlight of my life because what just, you know, it's, it's again, it's the same repeated thing I've been saying here, but they just the hockey sense and the hockey mind that he has to build a championship team because he was on championship teams that were built by the legendary Scotty Bowman. 
um, and, you know, and others obviously as well, but, you know, he really has taken what he's learned, what he's learned throughout his career and applied it as a, uh, as a manager and president. And it's, oh, it's kind of hell of a long way. It's, it's, um, like I say, it, it's amazing to, to see. And like for in Sackick's case, which we'll talk about uh, in, in a minute here is, you know, he had such a great, like I say, with the hockey sense and uh, like you saw it as a player of how, how smart he was on the ice and, um, you know, being part of all those championship teams and being around, it, it's, it's no surprise really of that, why he's been able to be successful in a front office role, because he's just using his brain instead of his, uh, <laughs> instead of his, uh, his hands and, uh, you know, his athletic uh, ability, he's using his brain to do it now. So. Yep. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, let's, let's jump into it. Let's, uh, let's jump into the bus ride for this week. Uh, all right, everybody, welcome into the bus ride. Uh, this, of course, is a weekly segment that we do where we take a look back at a former WHLer's uh, career. Uh, this player, of course, could have played in the NHL afterwards or could have gone on to done nothing. Uh, but it's a weekly segment that we will uh, be doing from here on out. And uh, this week, we are looking at uh, Stanley Cup champion Joe Sackick. So... Joe only played a couple seasons in WHL because a lot of guys only did back then. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Holy shit. Like <laughs> DDE, I'll let you talk about it. You just walk through those two seasons for us, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that's the best way to say it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's insane. And these are, not, these are not typos. These, these yeah. numbers here. Uh, so, uh, in, in his first season with the Swift Current Broncos, well, he played with the Lethbridge Broncos, which the Swift Current Broncos, um, in 1986-87, 72 games, 60 goals, 73 assists, 133 points. And you think that was great. Um, going to the next season, um, 78 goals, 82 assists, and 160 points. And then That's... 11 goals in 10 games in the playoffs. So, like like insane is just um yeah just one word to describe that those two seasons there (laughs) yeah well and like to think like i I mean we get like um the hockey was different like hockey was different sure you can you can say that all you want and we get it but like those numbers are damn impressive and their numbers that are etched into whl history into canadian hockey league history um but to 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 go from 133 points and then go you know what that's not good enough (laughs) and put up 160 points wow uh and you know he played with a camloops camloops resident peter soberlack who actually went first round 21st overall in the 87 draft to edmonton oilers um if you google his name though it's a whole thing um oilers fans are still pissed about that draft to this day apparently (laughs) Uh, but he also played with Sheldon Kennedy and Sheldon Kennedy is a very, very well-known man. Um, not just in the hockey world, but I think in, in Canada in general, uh, for everything that he has been through, through in his life, obviously. Um, but you know, they were a little dynamic duo there. 117 points with that one year there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, he played at the, uh, he played at the world juniors when he was young, played with Theo Fleury, Rob Brown. Uh, he played with Mark Reckie. Um, 
who else is in this? Like Trevor Linden, a young Trevor Linden, a young Eric Desjardins. Wow, that's that's going back a long ways. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, Greg Hoggood. Yeah, I mean, played with a number of guys. That was 87, 88. Wow. Adam Graves. So that's Ryan Graves' dad. Holy cow. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just the, the pure dominance that he was able to, you know, put up in junior back in the day was I mean, no surprise considering what he went on to do in his NHL career, right? Yeah. Well, I I really don't look at his draft um, in 1987. He was drafted sure. 15th overall. Makes no sense. Um, you look at the guys that were drafted ahead of him, and there's some WHLers here. Uh, Dean Chenoweth uh, played with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Yeah. Um, you have Jason Moore drafted 10th okay. overall, New Westminster Bruins. Okay. Uh, Portland Winterhawks, Dave Archibald, drafted in Minnesota. Um, that'd be the North Stars at that point. And then uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, Chris Joseph, fifth overall. Wayne McBean, LA Kings, fourth overall. And then uh, Glenn Wesley, who turned out to be a pretty good defenseman. Um, Glenn Wesley third, did, yeah. yeah. Third overall to Boston, uh, Portland Winterhawks. He won, a, he won a cup. I'm pretty sure with Carolina, did he not? Yes. Yeah, he was yeah. captain, I believe. Yeah, he, he was in on the oh, that's last pretty good. of his career. And I remember that. Yeah, that is points. But you look at <laughs> you look at Joe Sackick, six yeah. 1,641 points. Uh outpaced. So Brendan Shanahan was drafted second overall, and Pierre Turgeon was first overall. Oh. Both are obviously really good NHLers. But oh, Sackick outpaced them 1641 points compared to 1300, a little over 1300 in both those guys. So Really, arguably, he should have been drafted first overall in that draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if you were to ever do a re- – well, yeah, 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 because, yeah, you would – well, okay, if you do – if you take it, like, modern, yeah. Sackett goes one, Shannon goes two, right? Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Look where Theo Fleury was taken, though, 166th. Oh, my God. <laughs> and- well, undersized. There you go. That's the biggest problem, right? Like that's the biggest problem. Um, shout out to uh, Luke Richardson. Uh, he's in this list. Uh, he is now the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a little another connection. Little, little connection there. Oh, wait, yeah. You look. <laughs> you look at the. You know. You look at that draft. Obviously, you look at what he was able to. Um, you know, he's Sackick's obviously part of the Triple Gold Club. Uh, what a club! Holy cow. Um. But he was CHL player of the year as well. So, Logan, uh, you know, we'll give you a little, we'll give our listeners a little sneak peek into the episode, but, but Stan Coben said that he would like to top his season. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Sackick did 133, (laughs) then to 160. Stan Coben put up 104. Kenny put up 140. Yeah. That's the thought. Um, fun fact, Joe Sackick also was the owner of the Calgary Hitmen for three years. Ah, there we go. So there you go. There you go. Before I got sold to, uh, was it before it got sold to Brett the Hitman Hart, or was he owner while Brett was owner? Oh, he was an owner while Brett was an owner. Okay. Ah. That makes sense. Neat. Um, okay. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, I mean, his WHL career um, – was very short lived. And then his NHL career was very long lived. Um, he multiple hundred point seasons there uh, was named captain very quickly there in Quebec. I yeah. mean, not even just his third season, he was named captain of the team. Uh, I think that really 
uh, pushes just the whole um, narrative that he's a fantastic leader. Oh, yeah, that that's like he is, and that's and that's the thing. Like he was, he wasn't just a great player, but he was a great leader as well. And yeah, you know, you look at what he did in the playoffs, and you know, bring them to Stanley Cups in both was it both '96 and 2001. Yeah, yeah. So both years there in '96, he had 18 goals in 22 games. Uh, in 2001, 13 goals in 21 games. So you can tell he stepped up in the playoffs. So, <laughs> and totally did four goals, 188 points in the playoffs. Yeah, he was Con Smythe in, uh, he won Con Smythe in uh, 96. So, yes. Yeah. And the Hart Trophy in 2001. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like, you know, for him to go out and do that, but then not only to, you know, just have that sheer dominance as a player, etch his name into Colorado Avalanche history as one of the best players ever for the Avalanche. When I think of Colorado Avalanche, I think of Burnaby Joe. Uh, that's who yes. I think of. That, that, yeah. That's who I think of. Nowadays, you know, maybe nowadays it's a little different for kids. Um, they think of Kale McCarr or they think of that. But as somebody, you know, as, you know, for me, uh, I think of I think of Joe and I think of guys like Peter Forsberg and Adam yep. Foot and um, you know just uh, the list goes on. Patrick Waugh, um, Milan Hayduk, yeah, Milan Hayduk. Oh my God, yes, Milan Hayduk. His son uh, is up for draft uh, yeah. this year. Um, yeah, so Mil- yeah, like all those guys. I mean, you think back to those teams too, and 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 actually think back to those teams uh, and how they were built. And look at what he's built with Colorado and the team that they had this year. They had a little bit of everything. They had the, they had the skill. They had the third and fourth lines that could score and hit and fight. They, they, it was built exactly like how Joe's teams were built when he was there, when Pierre Lacroix uh, built those teams. Just without the superstar goaltender. Yeah, without, without, without Patrick Waugh. <laughs> no offense, Darcy, but. I think you're you, know you're, you know you're you know you're stepping stone on that one. You know you're not close. Um, but but hey, I mean Darcy Camper really locked it in for them. Um, oh yeah, great. I mean the props to the team itself for for making life easy for on them in the third period there. Because like yeah. I said on the post game and on the podcast in the morning, it, they had just like a master class in in holding in um, holding onto a lead. I, mean, I, like, I don't this is where you watch video this is the video you watch if to hold on to a lead <laughs> i just didn't like they were so so good at just holding them down there and just keeping like just the 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 zone control and yeah. they weren't oh, it was, it down was the neutral so... zone either they were still sending in two four checkers like yeah it was crazy like it, it was just sheer dominance like um somebody you know i i love john cooper um and it's been we've talked about him on the podcast before but like so i think it was i don't know who it was so i won't say anything but i saw a tweet that stated um bednar out coached cooper in that third period and uh boy did he ever oh jeez, like statement holy cow I, maybe even that whole series he was out coached i i don't know it was a, it was a remark. It was a, I mean, really, when you think about it, like that series was a fat, was an awesome series. It was some of the best hockey we had seen in a long time. It was, it was great to be able to watch these two top dogs go at it 
And he couldn't have written a better story where you have the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions going at it with the number one team um, in the West and arguably the number one team in the league, granted not points-wise because Florida, but, you know, they dethroned them. And now Colorado begins their dynasty. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if, if Saka can do what uh, what Breezebois did mm-hmm. and um, bring back guys, and I could see them repeating. I could definitely... So- I said that to, I said that in a text uh, to somebody, I said, what is, I said, the one thing that Tampa is really, really, because I said, after the game, I said, this is the Stanley cup final. This is the Stanley cup final next year. And, and a couple people who I texted said, I actually agree with you. This will be the Stanley cup final. It's going to be a repeat of Tampa and Colorado. Problem is Tampa Bay is really, really good at recuperating their assets. I mean, guys will take pay cuts to play there. We've talked about it before. Andre Palat has already said he will take pay cut to play there. So is Nick Paul. That goes a long ways for Tampa. Can Colorado negotiate that with with Big Val? Like, you know, Nachushkin? Can they go to Val and go, hey, can you play for us for one more year and then go get your bag and go get rich? Like Kadri, too. Kadri and Manson. I know Manson's going to be hard because Manson's 30. He's got... He's got a family. He wants to secure that money for the lifetime. He he deserves to get paid. Um, but they might be able to, if, if they lost Kadri, they could probably swing it so they could keep Manson, Lekinen, and Nachushkin, all three. Mm-hmm. But if they lost, but if they lost Kadri, that's a big hole to fill. And I don't know if they sign all three of those guys, if they could go after somebody like they're rumored to go after, like an Andrew Cobb. I think I unless you can negotiate a cheap contract with Manson, Val, and Laconan. Yeah. Lekkonen, sorry. Lekkonen, yeah. I don't know. And that's what would be Sackick's challenge this offseason because there's a he's got a lot on his plate. And Kemper's another one. Um yeah and, and Burakovsky. But yeah. I think I think I think the Burk I think Burakovsky is the kind of like an easy one. I think that's why people aren't really talking about it is because yeah. Burakovsky is going to be a, a contract that they'll get out of the way quickly. Yeah. And I think with Kemper even if they don't re-sign him, look what they did last year. They got, you know, Grubauer didn't return. He was a Vesna Trophy candidate. Yeah. And he didn't return. They got Kemper. Um, if he doesn't return, they could probably get another guy. And he just has to have decent goaltending. That's all they need. They don't need superstar goaltending. <laughs> nope. I think the superstar goaltending would obviously make the difference for sure. But yeah, if they're going to, you gotta, you really got to wonder, like, yeah, if these guys are going to... Um, you know, take the pay cuts. I, I don't know why you like, I get it. Like I, I do. I, I get the money standpoint of it, but when you have that winning culture and that winning team, you I want to return to it. Instead of going to another team, you're not sure. Right. I don't know. What would you like? Yeah. Like, I mean, to put it, put it, I guess, bluntly, what would you rather have an extra few million dollars or be back-to-back Stanley cup champion? Because I think being back-to-back Stanley cup champion sounds a hell of a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right at least to me it would uh to me it would too so so that's yeah that's my spiel with that too um on the topic of the avalanche i mean we may as well i'm just going to go into this now i had it in my notes for some we uh, we could talk about but i'm just going to talk about it uh because we talked we touched on steve eiserman uh the the espn's unrivaled documentary with the colorado avalanche and detroit red wings uh talking about their uh rivalry throughout the mid to late 90s there holy cow that's probably the best hockey documentary I've ever watched. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that. I, it I heard is some good things. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, in Canada, 
It's very hard to find, but people on YouTube have uploaded it, so you can find it on there. Um, but because ESPN, for whatever, just doesn't want to operate in Canada and we don't have rights to certain stuff like that, uh, for whatever reason, TSN hasn't even picked it up. But I know a couple of people from TSN have tweeted saying that they're going to be hopefully working on getting the rights to it because I don't understand why it's not in Canada. Um, yeah, considering I don't, I don't get it. Really weird. But it is available on YouTube. Um, but oh my god, like it's just a f- fantastic documentary, really just outlines uh everything about that rivalry. And you know, for me, the rivalry was uh I was too young to remember it. I was like two, three years old as it was happening. Um, but obviously as I grew older, I learned about it. And by the time you know 2002, 2003 hit, I understood what that was back in you know 95, 96, uh 96, 97. And you know it's 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 really cool because like you have darren mccarty you have patrick Waugh, you have sackick uh adam foot the list goes on they have they bring all the alumni back to talk about the event event as they're showing you the documentary and they talk about the specific events and like what happened here and you know why slava kozlov slammed adam foot's head against the boards and why mccarty um, or sorry, why Claude Lemieux went after Chris Draper. Yeah, it's really fascinating to get a story and like a behind the scenes look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I got to give all props to everybody involved there. And Darren McCarty, especially because he's the brainiac behind that whole documentary. And it's, yeah, it's got, I've watched it twice in the last three days. It's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it. Um, yeah. Cause that that team, like though both those teams back then. I mean, we talked about the Avalanche already there, but you you add all what the what the Red Wings were. It was insane too. <laughs> those teams are just were probably two of the best ever, like all time, not just at that time. Yep. All no, time. no, I think so too. Uh, I mean, like you look at what the Red Wings were able to do in their back to back cups, and um, you know just the, the sheer dominance, Sergei Fedorov, Paul Coffey, uh, you know, Slava Kozlov, Igor Larionov, Nick Lidstrom, Keith Primo. Like this is, I know, I know this is before the salary cap, right? Like, so I like, I get it, but like, holy cow, just the amount of uh, Mark Bergevin was on that team. Um, Marty Lapointe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Osgood, Mike Vernon were your goalies. Yeah, and well, uh, on that note, we got some a little bit of uh, well, it's not breaking news, but uh, that Red Wings named Derek Lalonde head coach. So, oh wow, new coach, uh-huh. there we go, there you go. So, the Red Wings named Derek Lalonde head coach. It says, oh, yep, there it is. I just saw that. That's funny. Um, yeah, so yeah, just a fantastic documentary. If you guys have any time to watch it, it's like two hours and 14 minutes. Highly, highly recommend it. It also gets very emotional, though. Uh, they talk about Vladi Konstantinov's uh, car accident um, following the winning the Stanley Cup and uh, ultimately the end of his career um, and how, uh, it, yeah, I'll let you guys just watch it. But uh, for, for, for Iserman to say that Konstantinov was a better defenseman than Nick Lidstrom, yeah, yeah. It, it really sucks to see what happened to him. Yeah, no, I, and yeah, we've had some guests on grind line on the hockey writers here and uh, yeah, it's, it's always hard to hear that stuff. <laughs> I think like the one biggest thing with Konstantinov too is, you know, he was 5'10", 190 pounds 
and he trucked guys. I mean, yeah. he absolutely blew guys up and he was 5'10". So, yeah, yeah. I, that whole, you know, the misconception with being small. Hey, I think I think you need to take that and guys need to start shoving it up their ass because it really does go nowhere because because, yeah, you look at him and you look at Darius Kasparitis, 5'10", 210 pounds. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. Some other news around the league here as we wrap up this episode. Um, it's been a long one, but we thank you guys all for uh, sticking by. Um, obviously, there's some ads placed throughout this uh, episode, too. Uh, so if you obviously hear those, uh, it's not your imagination. It's just <laughs> the podcast is going in a good direction. Let's put it that way. Uh, so some other news around the re- league. Well, not league. League is the word. Uh, actually, it's more. It was breaking news. Pretty big blockbuster trade today. Uh, the Seattle yes. Thunderbirds acquired the rights to uh, import pick Brad Lambert uh, from the Saskatoon played f- for a handful of draft picks. Um, so there goes, I can cross Brad Lambert's name off the Blazers uh, wish list because that's not happening. Um, but big pickup there. Thunderbirds, you know, we talked about them, you know, wanting to probably return to the WHL final and what a great player to add. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so now the question will be though, um obviously you know the drafts coming up here in just a couple days well just a week away um so if he gets drafted wait wait sorry no no he is going to get drafted it's a matter of where he gets drafted but when he gets drafted will that team opt to put him in the chl with seattle or will he go and play in the ahl Hmm. so i'm still riding the wagon that he's going to get picked by the Islanders at 13th overall, 14th overall, whatever it is, the Islanders pick, I think it's 14th. Um, so if that does happen, you can, you heard it here first. Um, but I think like, you know, for the, for the Thunderbirds to add him, Oh my God. Like you're talking about having Kevin Korchinski being able to send the puck up the ice to, to him, to Brad Lambert. That's going to be uh, a nice little dynamic duo there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, like when I saw that, I'm like, "Whoa, Seattle's gonna if if he plays um, with them, which is yeah. not a guarantee, but if he does, man, that's gonna be some fun stuff to follow." Um, WHL wise on this podcast, so <laughs> yeah, and that's just it, right? Like that's uh, that's how, yeah. I think it really depends on who drafts him, but I, I have a feeling he'll be in the WHL kind of regardless. Yeah, I think because there's got to be, you know, if you're Seattle. Um, and your bill of forage, you, you, you know, you probably, you probably asked around right prior to making yeah. a deal like that. Like, you're not just going to go make a trade like that without having some concrete evidence there that, you know, something is going to happen. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, the Canvas Blazers signed their first round pick uh, from the 2022 draft the other day, uh, Nathan Baum. He signs, his entry level deal, and he will uh, he'll probably get some games in next year for sure. Um, former Saskatoon Blades captain Wacy Rabbit has returned to the club as an assistant coach. Uh, congratulations to him, of course. Uh, a guy that I mean, I distinctly remember uh, solely based off his name, but he was a fantastic hockey player as well. Yeah, <laughs> he played uh, with the Vancouver Giants uh, Memorial Cup run, right? Cup run, yeah, yeah. I played with the Manitoba Moose, <clears throat> I believe, yeah as well so yeah yeah um so congratulations to him uh the spokane chiefs have named ryan smith the club's new head coach 
and alumni uh, Dustin Donahue has joined as an assistant. And the Everett Silvertips announced the promotion of Mike Frazier from the director of player personnel to assistant general manager. Um, yeah, that that about does it for today's episode. Uh, we really appreciate all the listens and shares. Uh, it's really going a long way. Um, so thank you guys again for everything. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, you guys know where to find us. It's Western centric, everything on all the social medias. You can hit us up with an email, westerncentricpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, YouTube page is act is up and running again. There was a bit of a delay there as we were trying to, uh, sort some things out. Um, but distribution will be live there again. Uh, so all the episodes should be up there in the next 48 hours. Um, you can go check that out. Follow my work with Daily Faceoff and Nation Network down below and Matthew's work with the Hockey Writers. All links are below. Uh, you can also use the DoorDash code Daily Faceoff uh, DFO uh, on your DoorDash and you can get, uh, I do believe it's 10 or 20% off your DoorDash order, something like 10 or 20%. <laughs> uh, so something there, just a little plug there that Daily Faceoff has picked up a little DoorDash sponsorship. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, everybody. Uh, we will catch you guys uh, next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.